Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 115 for May the... Uh, what? 23rd? 23rd, yeah. 23rd feels like it's about, right? Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking a test. You should sit down and take one with us, and I am your host, Michael Feenan. And I... Sorry, my cat's on my desk. I'm your other, other host. not invited. Aaron. (laughs) She thinks she is. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. (laughs) Yeah, everybody. I'm glad you joined us. If you tuned in to our last episode, you heard us giving Aaron a little JavaScript quiz. And in that episode, (laughs) he did very well. He passed. uh, But uh, we... Kind of on the fly, realized, hey, this is fun, and turnabout is only fair play. <laughs> so this week, uh, Aaron has gone and got some Ruby questions, and he's going to be asking <laughs> me Ruby questions. And boy, is this going to not work for me because <laughs> I don't know Ruby. But so uh, we had found a couple links with some like pre-canned ones. Um, and the one I found, we'll we'll have a link in the show notes. It's from TopTal, which yeah. I think is a recruiting website. Top talent. Um, the article is called "21 Essential Ruby Interview Questions." I, I picked the Ruby ones instead of the Rails ones because I wanted, because the Rails ones are going to be really framework specific and probably rely a lot more on implementation. And I wanted to see something that's a little more intuitive. So. We're going to, this is what this is. And and the reason why I think this is still an interesting exercise to go through, even though I don't really know Ruby is (laughs) we we've used this phrase in the past about, you know, programming idioms and, you know, understanding conventions and how those translate from one language to another. So this is really kind of a test to see, (laughs) am I capable of deconstructing something that I'm not very familiar with using concepts I am familiar with to get to the right answer? And I, I think these questions are fair to ask someone who isn't a Rubyist, but is a programmer. Like these are the conceptually, I think you'll be able to like parse what they're asking you and they don't feel like, I mean, they're, they are kind of gotcha questions just like the JavaScript ones were. Sure. Sure. Um, but they're at least like you would have a, theoretically you would have a chance of figuring it out. Yeah. And just like last time, we're going to read the question. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll explain the code that I'm looking at. Now, this one, unlike the, the one we did last time, this doesn't have multiple choice. Um, right. So yeah. this is just going to be pure, can I, I suss this out? Before we right. get there, um, I definitely want to talk about Scotch. Can I talk about yeah. Scotch real yeah. fast? This is the Drunken UX podcast. We do have a, a, an imbibing session while we do this. <laughs> um, so I am... Drinking something new to me, which is the Glenlivet 12. Okay. Illicit still. Now, this is a non-chill-filtered version of Glenlivet. It's bottled at 48%, which ain't nothing. Um, It's a 96 proof. And... You've heard me talk in the past about like how I'm not a big fan of like normal Glenlivet 12. Sure. Um, I find it to be a little 
watery, one-dimensional, mm-hmm. uninteresting, bland. Okay. Um, it's a it's a pretty far uh uh it's a pretty far cry from like the Glenlivet fifteen or eighteen, which I think are both fantastic drams. Um, what I'm I think hearing are, there is that Glenlivet should send Michael some bottles of Glenlivet twelve so he can form a new opinion about. Ah, yes, maybe. No. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, though. This has rapidly, and I mean rapidly, become possibly my new favorite scotch. Ooh. And, you know, because every, everybody always asks, well, what's your favorite? What do you like? And and that mm. answer is always very difficult because it's like, yeah. well, it depends, right? Because they're so different from each other and... They have different characteristics, and some go better with certain things and other things. And it's, it's like uh, picking a favorite day out of a year. But I do generally have like stuff that I like to just grab when it's available. Monkey Shoulder is one of those. You know, Monkey Shoulder is just a great anytime drink. Um, I think Glenlivet Fifteen can fall into that category. Oban, I mm-hmm. think Oban is a fantastic uh, uh, glass of scotch, and this, for its price, the thing about Oban is Oban's like a hundred dollars bottle now. Yeah, and that's just a basic Oban fourteen because they know it, they're you know they're a smaller distillery. They are very high quality, so that's not something that's easy to just keep on your shelf. This you can find for forty five bucks. Hmm. All right, I'll look for a bottle of that next time. So it's super affordable. So why why do I like it though? Where normal Glenlivet 12 comes in thin and weak and uninteresting, this comes in... <laughs> Tell me how you like, really think about it. it. I mean, I'm sorry. It That is what Glenlivet 12 is to me. Um, Glenlivet 12 is what I drink at the end of the night after I've already been drinking scotch for a while, and I just want to have some, a little more alcohol, and I don't care about flavor anymore. Like This comes in... I don't... I don't know the background on it real well, and I, uh, what illicit still means. In it calls Scotch to mind terms. like prohibition. Yeah, it's, you know, but I mean that would make no sense for like a Scotch. Yeah, I, I don't really know how that applies to uh, the uh, Scotch distillery in this case, but right. Um, this is uh, very thick with like rum notes even though i don't think it's it's not finished in a rum cast but it's got a very like thick caramely brown sugary sweetness to it a lot of like really good like milk chocolate like if you've ever been like not hershey's milk chocolate but like the fancy candy store that's on the street corner you know where you walk in and they're like making their own candy a lot of a lot of like fruits like soppy fruits like watermelons and oranges like things with a lot of moisture in them that are sweet you drink that and it it hits you it's spicy it's Hmm. peppery it's got like a cinnamon and nutmeg with you know bright apple and pear flavors coming in okay it's it isn't like super complex either i'm not i don't want to oversell it or or over describe (laughs) it because it's not it is still a 12 and it's not like super like out there crazy fantastic it's just incredibly good at its price point at its age at 48 percent, two glasses of that can get you a little mm-hmm. a, a little buzzy you know and so man 
I'm I'm already on my third bottle of it. Uh and I just <laughs> found this stuff a couple months ago. So like I'm I am killing these bottles on it because it's just you can sit there and just pour a glass and just sit there and drink and it it's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm actually really happy with this. Um I was prepared to not like it. Um but I was like, well, I don't know anything about it. Um so I'm gonna give it a try and man was it worth a try. Good on you for trying your vegetables there. <laughs> right. Um I've got a fresh bottle. I literally just opened it of Kilhoman. Um it's spelled K-I-L-H-O-M-A-N. I, I had to listen to a YouTube video to get the pronunciation right. Kilhoman. Um it's a an Isla Scotch and it's okay. I'm only like a couple sips into it. It's very peaty, like very smoky. Um, is it very smoky or is it very peaty or is it both? Because those are different flavors. All right, hang on. It's very smoky for sure. Like, like Ardbeg is very peaty. Lagavulin pe- is very is smoky. Like the, peaty is like the iodine. Right? Yeah, that that's okay. where you're going to get like a lot of that earthy flavor. A lot of that iodine flavor comes from. Okay, not peaty. Uh, well, peaty on the end, I think. But definitely smoky, though. Like the nose is very smoky. I don't um, think I've had. Did you say is that a twelve? I'm not sure, but it's finished in um, ninety uh, percent bourbon casks and ten percent sherry casks. Nice. So I'm guessing it's a blend. Then. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like they've got two batches. Then they're mm-hmm. yeah, they're ten to one mixing it. So yeah. the the bottle is really nice though. It's like a nice little squat bottle, roughly the size of like a gin bottle, and it has a little like metal seal on it. I don't know. The presentation is nice. I think I've turned Aaron into a Scotch man. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this? God, I hope so. <laughs> All right, teach. All right, so put me in. <laughs> so before we start, I just want to say that these, just like with JavaScript, these are all like gotcha questions and they're intentionally obtuse. And overall, I think the Ruby language is very easy to read in general, as we noted in a previous episode where we did like the quick Rails app that we did. Um, but these are some funky questions. So I'm looking forward to kind of like diving into the reasons for some of the answers. All right. Question one. What is the difference between calling super and calling super parentheses? Um, and, and I will, I will give you a freebie here. Um, Super is when you have a subclass. Mm-hmm. Super is how you call the constructor, or rather, the method of the parent class of the same name. Right, right. So this is very similar to JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the same kind of keyword that you can use to call an object's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so my guess here is, I mean, th- this one's tough because there's not much to suss out. I just have to kind of <laughs> consider, right? So if I've got parentheses, usually parentheses imply the passing of arguments uh-huh. or or something, you know, like yes. you're going to have information parameters, something that's getting passed, whereas super by itself, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go out on a limb here and say super without anything is for calling a oh man (laughs) super without anything is to bring in all 
of the parents methods functions whereas super with parentheses lets you selectively say i only want to make certain functions available and you would pass in like a series oh. of function names clearly okay, I'm wrong so, but well let, let me let me clarify it further then um so super itself isn't like how you reference the parent class it's literally calling like if i have a class called animal and I subclass it to a subclass called dog, an animal has, uh, let's just say like the initialization, right? Um, or speak or whatever. Um, you can call super from that method in the dog class and it will then invoke the, that same method in the parent class, specifically that method though. So calling, if you have speak within the dog class and you call super within it, it will call speak in the animal class, like, and then resume execution. Gotcha. Okay. So then what does it do with the parentheses then? All right. So are you, you with the answer? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's okay. roll with it. Um, so in Ruby, you don't need to provide parentheses. You can, but you don't need to. Um, in this case, not providing the parentheses means Call the parent method and pass it all the arguments that this method received. So if you received speak with like, you know, woof or whatever, um, and you just said super, then it would just call animal speak and then pass it the woof as, as a parameter. Right. If you use parentheses that have nothing in them, it will presume that you are intentionally saying, I don't want to send any arguments to the parent. I just want to call the parent without arguments. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there is a, Ruby has this whole like an idiom of Ruby is um a lot of things left unsaid. It's like you know like the the rests and jazz, um, and a lot of times it like learning what the default behaviors will be of these things is like part of the process of learning how Ruby works. So this is one of those cases, okay. Where if if you just you call super, it's just like it just. Passively just passes it on up. <laughs> it's not very explicit, though. I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. All right. Hit me right, with next another one. one. Let's go. All over right. So, They're over eight. <laughs> what will... Um, so there's some code in this example. And this is asking you, what will val1 and val2 equal after the code below is executed? And explain your answer. So line one is val1 equals true and... That's like A-N-D, false. And val2 equals true, ampersand, ampersand, false. Okay. <laughs> so I've got and, 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 and. <laughs> um, um, I, I, I think uh, superficially, uh, you are allowed to use the word and as a Boolean and operator. And you can also use ampersand, ampersand. Um, these statements do behave slightly differently, though. Right. I, I'm presuming that for why why the question is what the question is. Mm -hmm. So I've got true and false and true and false. So. Well, there was a, a JavaScript question that was similar to this one last episode. Oh, crap. Why you got to be like <laughs> well, don't, that Well, don't me? think back to that one. But just, I mean, <laughs> it's... it's uh, well, I'll let you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Here's what I think. 
Mm-hmm. I think val1 equals true. Okay. And val2 equals false. Uh, you're correct. So tell me why. What's your thinking here? My thinking is that the difference between these has something to do with, like, truthiness. Mm-hmm. And so in the case of true and false, I'm getting one and zero, and the one is taking precedence out of the two. Like, the and is basically saying... Give me the best answer of the two. And so I have a one in there. Oh, and I so see. It's, so it's true. Whereas true and and false is saying one and zero. And it's default. And that's forcing it to default to a falsy behavior. And it's saying, oh, no, there's it's not one and one. It's one and zero. And so if it's one mm-hmm. and zero, then it's not the case. So am, I'm going to my right. You, you say I'm right answer wrong way. You're, well, you're the right answer, but let me give you an additional hint here. So if you were to run this in the Ruby interpreter, both lines would display false as output, but the 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 values of val one and val two, val one's value would be true, and val two's value would be false. Okay. Do do, do you get what I'm saying? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying there. So, but okay. why, why are they true and false? Okay, so this is like, a, you know, those like math questions that they share on social media, which is like, what's the answer to this question? And then everyone has a different answer for it because yeah, pep, no one's learning math or anymore. whatever. Yeah. Or pim, tip, pim, <laughs> mac, whatever it's called. <laughs> right. So this is an order of operations thing. And gotcha. so the word and has a lower press or lower priority then the assignment operator equals. And the ampersand ampersand has a higher priority than the assignment operator. So what happens is that the first line actually evaluates, if you use parentheses, it evaluates to val1 equals true and false. So assigning true to va- uh, a variable, we just will evaluate to true. So the first line is effectively saying true and false but val1 has already been assigned. Gotcha. The assignment is finished. So when you and echo this, out val1, the, the and false is effectively doing nothing to change the value of val1. Exactly. Exactly. So what would, for, what is and false doing then? Uh, it's doing exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's just like both lines. Um, in terms of the output they would give you in the terminal, both lines are the same. They're both saying, you know, you have a true and a false which evaluates to a logical false. The difference is in when the assignment happens. Val2 is going to take the result of true ampersand ampersand false and then assign that to Val2. Okay, so so I was right there uh, then on the, the second one about mm-hmm. that the true and false is evaluating to a falsy as a result. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Since the false takes precedence. Okay, so half a point. I will give, I'm gonna, I'll give you a full point for that because your answer was technically correct. Um, you can have you can have one for two so far. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. All right, the next one is um, you're going to have to scroll down a little bit. I can't see the answers for what it's worth, just for everybody listening. Yeah, so yeah. The, the answers are hidden on the page. Um, so look for a line that begins with consider the following two methods. Yep. 
And then it says um, there's def times two yep. and def sum. Okay, great. Got it. So this one has a method that says def and the word is times underscore two and it has parentheses arg one. Mm -hmm. And then the contents of it is puts arg one times two. And then the second one is a method that says def sum arg one comma arg two and then puts arg one plus arg two. So pretty like pretty straightforward in terms of like what you think they'll do. Yeah, I'd say that this feels a little <laughs> misleading so far. <laughs> can, you, can you see the bait? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm here. All right, so what will be the result of each of the following lines of code? And then you have uh, times two space five, times two parentheses five, times two space, space parentheses five, and then you have sum space one comma space two, sum parentheses one comma space two, and then sum space parentheses one comma space two. Okay. So just as top to bottom, what do you think each of them will be? Top to bottom. Okay. So I'm just thinking here. We've determined from the first question, parentheses are optional. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first three examples here, so I've got times two, five, times two, mm -hmm. parentheses, five, with no space, and mm -hmm. times two, parentheses, five, with the space in between the parentheses yes. and the times two. But I think all three of those, no, I'm going to take that back. I think the first two mm -hmm. come out as 10. Okay. But I think the third one is going to put out an error of some kind because of that space. That is a very, that it's, you're, you're correct on first and second. The third one does actually evaluate as you would expect it to. Okay. But your, think, your thinking is good though. Okay. On that. All right, so, so what's so the next thing? So 10, 10, 10. Mm -hmm. So we have some sums now. One, mm -hmm. Sum, 1, 2. Some parentheses, 1, 2. Some parentheses, 1, 2, but with a space. Now, yeah. this is where I'm going to assume the trickery is going to happen then. <laughs> uh, because, but they all have commas. Uh -huh. So I'm assuming the comma is indeed correct. That is how you separate your arguments here. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Uh, so clearly the first one is three. Yep. Correct. I don't like this. <laughs> I mean, they they all equal three. I don't know why I would say otherwise. I know one of these is probably not going to be what I, it's going to be 12 or some, something weird. Uh, it's uh, not 12. I'll tell you that much. Okay. So it's not yeah. like, cause I mean, they're numbers. They look yeah, like numbers. Yeah. So I assume they're being treated as integers and and right. added together like they're yep. you're not coming out with you know string one plus string two like we saw some of with the javascript stuff. <laughs> right yeah no this is um their their primitive types are preserved here so that's okay. not a problem uh at which point i don't know uh i i mean i'm gonna say all all of them are three but i know that's one of those is one or two of those is i'm gonna, gonna tell one. you one of them is one of them is not three um can you guess which one i'm gonna go with the middle one, some parentheses, okay. one comma two parentheses, because it's the it's the odd man out. The other two <laughs> both have a space before you pass it the arguments. Yeah. So that okay. one, that's the one that's different out of them. That's I that I respect your reasoning. 
even if it's incorrect. Okay. It is actually the third one. Some space parentheses one comma two. Um, why? So it would actually throw a syntax error. And the reason why is because, um, and so this is one of the times when like the, the niceties of Ruby's parser can kind of bite you. The Ruby parser, after you have a function, is expecting either a space to indicate like there would be parentheses here, but we're going to leave them off. Um, or it's expecting parentheses, one or the other. When you have a space first, the parser says, okay, what follows then is, you know, the argument. Um, and having in the first set, you had space parentheses five. So because five is a primitive and it's in parentheses, it'll just evaluate to five when it's passed in as an argument. The second one, however, parentheses one comma two, um, it'll throw a syntax error that says um, unexpected comma expecting parentheses to close it. Um, because parentheses one comma two doesn't really map to anything, like it doesn't reduce to anything. So it's it sees it as like, well, there's sort of two arguments here, but before I can start the second argument, I need to close this parentheses first. Um, so that's that's it's gonna throw an error for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of nonsense is this? <laughs> I I will give you. This has bitten me before. Um, I'll like I'll, I'll forget I'll forget about that, and I'll add an argument onto a method that I was already calling. Um, and I happen to be using parentheses, and it's gotten me before. Okay. Wow. Do Do you get it? Like, should I? Do I need to explain a different way or? No, no. Uh, if you look at the answer, you can see like the the actual error message. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've opened up the answer here online. Yeah. I keep drifting away from my microphone. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, <laughs> I'm like staring at my screen trying to look at this code, and it's uh, away from my <laughs> microphone. Um, the problem is the space between the method name and the open parentheses. Because of the space, the Ruby parser thinks that one comma two an expression that represents a single argument, mm -hmm. not hence the error. So if you change it to one plus two, that would be fine. Because it would evaluate down to three and then get passed in. Okay, I got you get it. it. I get it now. Yeah. That, yeah, I, no, that made it click. I see. Yeah. So could I, um, as a, an example, could I do <laughs> um, some space parentheses and like you said let's say one plus two close yeah. parentheses space parentheses five close parentheses if you put a comma after the first pair of parentheses yes okay because then um, actually, then it's being treated like the first example some space yeah. one comma two no i i sorry Gotcha. Um, no, you could actually do exactly as you said it because you don't have to use commas. Because the, the if, parentheses themselves are closing your expressions. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm just double checking. Yeah, no, I get it now. That is that is weird. It, it, <laughs> it starts to make sense, though, now that I realize um, what it's doing there. I don't – I still don't love it. I feel like it should know how to treat it. Parentheses, you complain about JavaScript oh, no. and <laughs> Ruby can't even do parentheses right? I mean, come on, man. Uh, no, you do have to use the comma. Okay. I was right the first time. Okay. Well, okay. So yeah, if you had if you had parentheses one plus two parentheses comma and then another thing that would evaluate to a single like argument or object, then that would accept it. If you did just 
parentheses one comma two and nothing else after that, you would get an argument error. Um, yeah, because it needs two arguments. Right. Yeah, yeah. there's nothing defaulting. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. I, I am now a master at this. I understand. <laughs> Give me a harder question. All right. So go down to... It says, explain each of the following operators and how and when they should I've be used. I've got to explain each of the following operators and how and when they should be used. Equals, equals. Equals, equals, equals. EQL question mark. Equal question mark. The word equal question mark. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I can at least affirm to you, um, in one way or another, they're all checking equality. I... And, and they're have, all real methods. I would yeah, have so, guessed, yeah. Yeah, they're all real, like, real things that you can do. Well, the first two seem straightforward. Um, this this is where, okay, so I, I've seen these things before. Equals equals mm-hmm. just is like a, a loose value check to mm-hmm. see if, you know, one side is, is equal to another. Um, yeah. It's less type, in, you know, in, involved. It's strictly looking at the value. Mm-hmm. Equal, 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 I'm guessing is a strict equality, meaning it's mm-hmm. checking value and type and making sure they're the same. Mm-hmm. EQL question mark is a new one. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to get real weird here and say that that has something to do with like, if, like evaluating a function maybe. In terms okay. of like, as opposed to the first two that are strictly evaluating values, de- determinant mm-hmm. values, I'm going to say EQL question mark is used to like determine if a function return is equal to something. Oh, okay. Okay. And then equal question mark with the full word mm-hmm. is used for checking object equivalency. When you say object equivalency, what do you mean? Like, do do two instantiations of an object have, like, the same, you know, are they the same class, the same attributes, the same... So is it, like, exactly the same object? Yeah. Like, is this... Yeah, not not just, like, we both have Big Macs, isn't that cool? But, like, we both have the same Big Mac. We both got Big Macs with no onions, mustard, right. yeah. Okay. I, I I genuinely like this is one I don't have a lot to work on here like no, from no, a sample that's, standpoint. So uh 3 out of 4 you were correct. Um Oh really? I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, the first, second and fourth ones you nailed it. Oh, no kidding. Um yeah. So the equals 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 I'll give you a little bit more context there. Um in the example the the answer says it's specifically used to test equality within the when clause of a case statement. Um also often overridden to provide meaningful class specific semantics in case statements. Why? Why is it only used within a win clause? Why couldn't you just use an equal equals? Okay, so it specifically has to deal with case like case statements, like a, a switch statement in PHP. Right. Yeah. Um, and the the example that I found on Stack Overflow says, um, if you have a equals 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 b, it's similar to saying if I have a drawer labeled a, does it make sense to put b in it? So if I have a drawer for apples, is B an apple that I can put into this drawer? Yeah, so um, it's it's and it's because of that that case statement, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's just very particular. Yeah. Could you so, use it outside of that? Would it still work like if you wanted to I test s- like hard equivalency? I swear 
I swear that I have, and I, I, I don't, I don't think I ever realized the case usage of this before. Um, when I, the understanding that I had of it was that it checks both value and type. Yeah. Which so, would, which would be like, I think that's the exact same in PHP, the exact same in JavaScript. That's why I was like, oh, yeah. I know these. Um, so equal the yeah. word spelled out with question mark. Uh, and I should note that, um, any method ending in a question mark, this isn't strictly a requirement, but it's an idiomatic thing. Um, we call them predicates and they always return or they should always return a true or false. Boolean. So yeah, um, they don't have to, but you just like, <laughs> I, I would absolutely reject any pull request that submitted a predicate that didn't return a Boolean value. <laughs> well, yeah, because especially in this case, right? Something yeah. is either equal or it isn't like there isn't right. There is no other answer to that question. Right, but you could have you could make a predicate like has hat question mark, and then that would be checking whether or not a thing has a hat, presumably, and the response would either be true or false. You would never expect it to be like yes or no or whatever else. It should always be specifically a boolean return. Um, so you are you, you said I got you the last it. one right. The e you, yeah, you nailed the last word one. equal question mark. So in Ruby, everything is an object. Everything. Everything is an object and it has an object ID. And so, um, what, e what the equal question mark is checking is that the object IDs are the same. Uh, and so this is useful when you're dealing with, um, like in Rails, especially when you have a performance question about like, okay, is this collection of objects or is this object that I'm loading? Is it the same one that was already in memory or is it getting pulled from the database fresh? And so you might see them be considered to be the same with the EQL operator, um, but not with equal spelled out. Okay. Hit me. Um, all right. Next one. All right. Can you call a private method outside a Ruby class using its object? Can you call? This is just a yes or a no question. Can you call a yes. private method? outside a ruby class uh-huh using its object all right so like you know in i i know that you know but i'm just going to provide some context here in oop in object-oriented programming you have methods can be public or protected or private static and yeah or static right um so with with public protected and private public methods if you have an object you can call any public method on the object you can say Hey object, do this thing for me, please. And the object does it. With protected methods, generally speaking, the OOP idiom is that friends of the object, so like subclasses, for example, can use those methods internally, but not outside things. And then in pr private methods, usually are that you can only call that private method within the class itself. Like in C++, that's how they behave. And I think also in Java, um, there, they, there's ways to like bend the rules, but those are like the default behaviors. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm basically saying is Ruby the same as other stuff or not? <laughs> and I can't tell if you're laughing because I'm overthinking it. And so I'm just going to go not overthinking gut on this and say, no, that it's going to behave just like everything else and not let you 
call it private method. Unfor- it's a- <laughs> Unfortunately, this is a whack method for Ruby. Oh, good. <laughs> um, you can. Um, so, but it's the way that you do it is weird. So, you can't call the method on the object itself directly. Like, I couldn't say, um, the example they give here is if you have a class called test that has a method called method. Um, you can't, and it's if it's a private method, you can't do like test.new.method. It'll like, it'll give you an error for that. However, Ruby has a method called send that's defined on the object, like overarching parent class. So everything is an object. Everything has the method send. And what send does is it accepts parameter of like a method name. And then it, it sends that in as a message to the object. So if you had test.new.send method, it would, it would run the method, even though it's technically private. What's the use case for that? It's generally frowned upon to do this. The situations, usually when I, when I do use this and I, every once in a while I have to, it's in testing when I have an object and I know that I need this one private method to be invoked so I can test it. You're not supposed to test private methods, but sometimes you have to. Um, and in that case, sometimes I'll call it, um, I'll call it that way. Generally speaking though, like you shouldn't do this. Okay. Yeah, but you can though. You technically can. It's it, it's weird to be like, hey, yeah, this is private, but then hey, we give you a way to just do a complete end around on that. Right. Okay. All right. Next one. Um, it's a. Uh, it has consider the following code, and it has class A. Okay. Um, and then the question says, what would be the values of? Okay. So the code is we have class A, and then define a method self dot a parentheses b and then it says if b is greater than zero b times b and that's the method and so the question is if you have var one equals a like capital a the class dot lowercase a the method parentheses zero or var two equals a dot a parentheses two um what are the values of them i don't like it (laughs) <laughs> I don't like it. I'll, I'll I'll give you a little bit of um latitude on the on the output or return values cuz they might not be obvious, but walk me through your thinking. Okay, so I'm going to assume define self.a is uh-huh. basically equivalent to what we just saw up above in the last question where we defined a a method called method. Yeah. So I'm assuming the self dot is immaterial. Um, all that it means here, and I'll I'll just tell you because it's not really relevant for the answer. For the answer, yeah. All it just means is it's a class method, right? Okay. Or static. So class or static method, yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Um, yeah. So a and it takes a parameter b. Now the thing that's jumping out at me here is there's nothing else. Right. So I think I'm going to take the easy one real fast and say I think okay. there two a uh-huh. dot a with uh, the value two being passed, I Uh think is four. You're correct. But a dot a (laughs) zero, because zero is not greater than zero. So the, so it's not returning zero. 
because it's never evaluating B times B, which would be zero times zero equals zero. Right. So that's yes. not happening. You're correct there. But is it just going to return undefined? I'll I'll give you that one. Um, in Ruby, we call that nil. Nil. Okay. Yeah. That's. But that's that's effectively like undefined is undefined in my understanding of JavaScript is essentially how we would use nil in Ruby. Okay. There's some there's some behaviors in nil in Ruby that we don't have with JavaScript undefined. Um, but in this case, though, like, yes, that's what would happen. Oh, so I'm right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, because... Like I said, I'll give you some latitude on, on the... Yeah, the yeah, like my... Yeah. <laughs> the, I didn't have the word in my vocabulary to use nil right. in this case, so I used what I knew. But, yeah, so what jumped out at me was, like, I'm like, okay, so if B is greater than zero, then do this. So I'm like, mm -hmm. well, two is greater than zero, so clearly that's evaluating. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming by default these methods return whatever is on the last line. I'm yes, guessing. actually, I was about to mention that. That's that's exactly right. Um, Ruby will always implicitly return the value of the last evaluated statement. Whatever the last expression runs. was. And Right. So that gave me an if, but there was no else. So I'm like, well, if I'm getting in here, there's <laughs> literally nothing being returned. So, and so the default return value will always be nil. It's always nil. Okay, uh, next question is, um, what is the value of the variable upcased in the below piece of code? Okay. Um, okay, so the variable is named upcased, and the code that they're giving you is upcased equals brackets, uh, and then these are strings. You have quotes one, comma, quotes two, comma, quotes three, and then it closes the array, dot map, and then you have a curly brace, and it says pipe n pipe, space, and then it says puts n dot upcase, curly brackets. Um, I will give you two freebies here. One of them is puts is like echo in PHP, or console log in JavaScript, um, and upcase is a method available to you on any string object and it just makes it uppercase right so i think what we end up with is one string one two three all capitalized no spaces okay that didn't sound like a, a <laughs> congratulations michael walk, you're brilliant walk me, walk me through how you got to that okay Fair. So we have an array one, two, three. The words one, two, mm -hmm. three. So that's straightforward. And dot map, um, mm -hmm. I'm assuming works kind of like JavaScript in this case, which is it's it's iterating over the array map to do something. Yeah. In this mm -hmm. case, a function that says for each in, we're gonna echo yeah. out in dot uppercase. And so I'm assuming it's it hits one and it says, Cool, I'm going to uppercase one and echo it. Huh? And then I'm going to uppercase two and echo it. Then I'm going to uppercase three and echo it. And they're just getting glommed on to each other like they're getting concatenated. Oh, okay. Clearly not, but that's what I was thinking. You no, you're you were like you're like ninety percent there. Damn it, damn it. Um, so I'll I'll give you I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself here. Um, given what I said in the last question, what do you think the return value of puts n dot upcase is? 
whatever in dot up like literally in dot up case so the output of and dot the method puts is sending the argument to standard out right so if you're using a terminal or something it will display it in the terminal or wherever you're you're taking standard out standard out is a unix or linux thing where it's just screen output it's not like if you did if you had a rails app and you said puts whatever um it will not display that in the HTML rendering of the view, but it will show it in the com in the server logs because the server logs accept the standard out from the rails, uh, the rails calls. So I'm always saying this to clarify that puts is not the same as saying like return. Okay. Hmm. So you're trying to throw me a bone. You're talking mm -hmm. about console. Not the actual lexicon. Because the question wants to know, what's the value of upcased, not what are you seeing on the screen? So the value of upcased, the value of upcased is unchanged. The value of upcased is just one, two, three as an array, just like it is on, on the line here. You're so close. Ah. <laughs> um, so the answer is that it would be an array of nil, nil, nil. And I'll, I'll, the difference is, if you got rid of the puts, your first answer would be correct. Because it would then, it would say, give me each element of the array, upcase it, and then because the result of upcasing, you know, that item is the last executed thing, that would be the return value, and that's what would get put into the array. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I don't so like it, but what, I get it. So do you remember in like the last question how I said that like the default return value of anything is nil? Yeah, yeah. So with puts, puts doesn't return anything. So therefore it returns nil. And so it, what you actually It's it's weird to me that it then decides to modify the array, I guess, is sort of the Well, so that's what um that's what map does. And so the tricky thing here is that because you have upcased equals and then the array dot map, it's, it's taking the array and iterating through it and then kind of creating a new array in the process. And then that's getting assigned to upcase. Yeah. Um, if you had map with a bang, like an exclamation point on the end, it would, it would change it in place. Um, and you wouldn't have to assign it. Interesting. But the, the big thing here though is that because it's puts, it's not, returning anything if you did puts end dot upcase and then either a semicolon to start a new line or just bump down to a new line entirely and then did like end dot upcase as the last thing then your first answer would be correct it would be capitals one two it's interesting that i i see now and i've i've opened up the answer here so i'm just reading so mm -hmm. it's like after all puts is a method so it has to return something so like every method mm -hmm. always has to return something intrinsically right um yeah okay yeah, that that one's a tricky. That that's a gotcha. That's yeah, um, no, that's that's fair. Yeah. That beat me up a little bit. But I, you were you were so close. I though. was in you yeah, did, I was in the ballpark for a lot. You were of definitely it, so. in the ballpark. You you correctly identified that the pipe and pipe means like this is the object I'm getting for this I re iteration. I remember that from our uh, our Eisenhower box episode when we started oh, building right. the Eisenhower box. Yeah, 
Yes. Yes. So see, I do know Thank a little you. tiny bit here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, last question. Last one. This, <laughs> this one is fun. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Uh, given that the following code has been run, the code is if false, foo equals quotes test end. Okay. So end is its own line, closing the if statement. What will be the value of defined question mark space foo and defined question mark space bar? And for the listeners at home, uh, in the code, it says foo. That's just plain foo. It's just a variable. Foo equals test. And then in the defined statements, it's defined question mark foo as the variable and defined question mark bar as it is. So I think like the the one with the methods, I'm going to go to the second mm-hmm. one. Okay. I think defined question mark bar is definitely false. Because... Bar doesn't show up anywhere in that code. And so I'm assuming that in this case, like, it's clearly not in play. Um, Defined foo, um, I'm going to say is true. And the reason it's true is because... If false is evaluating to true because nothing else has happened. So I'm going to guess there's some kind of like weird case where the fact that, you know, there's just a logical false kind of hanging out Mm -hmm. there. It's going to go, oh, yeah, no, it's definitely false because nothing else has happened. So then foo gets set to test and it moves on. Interesting. So Um, you're you're correct. Uh, You're you're basically correct. The the reasoning for the first one it isn't exactly right, um, okay. but your your intuition is on the right track. Uh, you were correct for the second one, although, and this is um, maybe my fault, but defined question mark doesn't return true or false. Okay. Uh, so what the hell? I I thought <laughs> no wait didn't we go over this with the equals? I thought you said that's a predicate that should always return true or false. Yes, it should it should always return true or false. It returns either nil. Or it returns um, like the kind of assignment. Um, so in the answer here, it says local dash variable for the first one, um, which is like the first local dash variable would be a truthy value, and nil is falsy. Uh, so this technically breaks a Ruby idiom, so that's why I'm giving it to you. So this is the exception that disproves the rule. <laughs> Right, yeah. Awesome. Always got to have that one. Thank you. Thank you for throwing me under the bus with uh, that (laughs) setup from earlier. I appreciate it. (laughs) Sorry. It was my bad. But okay, so the the thing that's – the thing with the first one. So you have if false, foo equals, quotes, test, end. Um, When the Ruby interpreter loads the script, what happens is um, the variable foo gets – preemptively allocated into memory into like um ruby has what's called like they call it a symbols table so anything at all that's ever mentioned in any of your scripts gets a record here in memory and um in this case it's a variable called foo and even though it's never actually assigned anything 
it does preemptively allocate the memory for it. It knows it could exist. Exactly. So the, it's defined like literally in the text of the code as opposed to maybe the, maybe I, the way I could d- differentiate this right is it's defined in the code. Mm-hmm. But whether or not it is actually declared a value is a different question. And in this case, so it's, it has no value. Like we, we couldn't, you know, if we did a, a puts foo, right? It would just mm-hmm. say nil, right? Right. So it's like saying like do like do owls exist, right? That's a that's a statement of like existentially is this real? Um versus saying like what kind uh, of owl is this? Yeah, that would be checking for a value, right? Right. Um the second was bar where bar is never even mentioned. So the ruby is like I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. Uh and that's saying like, you know, uh do uh unicorns or whatever it's just some something that isn't actually real i hope it didn't piss off our unicorn fan no. <laughs> um so yeah but i mean i i got yeah. the you know the language yeah no wrong, yeah i'll I'll give you that one yeah that bar was nowhere there so i was like well that can't exactly. whatever yeah false whatever it has to come back as something that says no basically right right um and i was right with foo but kind of for the wrong reason ish <laughs> um you you were you were right with Fu. You were right enough with Fu. Like your your intuition would lead you to writing code that was correct, even if like your internal understanding of it wasn't like enough. And you know what it kind of reminds me of is like if you're using you know a linter or something in your code. Mm-hmm. You know if if anybody who's ever done like some you know node scripts or something like that, and you're importing packages or variables or or what have you, and how in VS Code it uses sort of a, an analog of this to know, are you referencing something and then never using it? And so, mm, it, mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah, that's a good comparison. So like yeah. you can see in your code then it's saying, well, hey, yeah, you've imported this, but you've not used it anywhere. So it right. knows to kind of display that to you a little differently. And that's the code knowing, hey, yeah, you defined this thing, but are you going to use it later? Like take it out if you're not. Well, I I feel pretty good about how I did. I I I don't know what I ended up landing at. What about fifty percent? <laughs> uh, I think you were just over fifty percent. I uh, I forgot to keep score. Well, because I have this all in my note my notepad. Then I got a passing grade, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't the, keep to score, be fair, I get to decide what I got. Yeah, if the professor doesn't show up for fifteen minutes, class is canceled. Um, I, I think that it, to be fair, these, there were fewer and also th- these were some hard questions. Like I, I took guesses on some of them and I, I didn't get all of them correct when I did. So I think you did, you did quite well, all things considered. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, take a quick break and we will be right back. I'm pretty okay with that. I think uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I did fairly well. I didn't know some words, but I had the spirit of things right, and <laughs> uh, I, I kind of fought my way through a few of those. Some of them didn't go quite as well, but yeah, we can't know everything. Um, if you're enjoying this, we have one more episode coming up. We are going back to JavaScript, 
Um, and we're going to run one more round of, of the JavaScript uh, oh, right. quizzing. Yeah, the other one. We have, yeah, right. we have one more uh, package of those. So we get to hurt Aaron just a little bit more. These are a little <laughs> more fun, though, because they are somewhat more complex. So they right. these are specifically questions that have a little bit more form to them, which I think will be fun mm-hmm. to kind of walk through what's happening. Last episode, they were very, you know, well, they were mostly one-liner type of things. Mm-hmm. So... This will be more kind of like this was in terms of like having actual stuff to to think through. So I'm excited about that. I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. And we're working on yeah. some new uh, guests here coming up. I know you've had to listen to just us two going back and forth for a while. So <laughs> um, I'm going to bring in some new voices and and whatnot. So thank you, Aaron, for uh, taking me to school. We'll apply all this in the next episode <laughs> of the Eisenhower box uh, build out. I'll, I'll apply all this nice new knowledge in ways that don't make any sense. <laughs> I hope not. These are these are some really weird circumstances. Uh, so hopefully we don't run into anything like this. <laughs> well, go uh, in the show notes. We have a link to uh, the same deal. There's, he said, over 20 questions in it. Go check them out. See how you do. Let us know, you yeah. know if anything tripped you up or if you learned anything new. Um yeah, so some of these you definitely have to know Ruby to be able to understand. Certainly, them because yeah. they're very specific. Uh, if you want to do that, uh, let us know how you do. You can catch us on Facebook or Twitter at slash drunken UX or Instagram at slash drunken UX podcast. As always, you can chat with us anytime over in Discord. Just go to drunkenux.com slash Discord. Or if you feel really squirrely and want to help us out, you can uh, back us by going to drunkenux.com slash support. And joining us over on our Patreon. Patreon backers get a special little flag in our Discord channel, get access to extended interviews, um, and more. Indeed. No, Indeed is a job board. Um, (laughs) I will plug myself real fast and say if anybody is looking uh, for a senior dev role, um, working uh, in some WordPress stuff, come give me a yell. I have an opening on my team, um, and I would love to talk to you about it and, and... tell you all about the awesome stuff we're getting ready to do so actually speaking of that my team is also hiring um if you know the go language or if you're a database administrator for postgres or if you're a rails developer or a systems guy devops and such um we're hiring for all of those and a couple others got a great team make fun product we'll we'll put uh links to those uh in our show notes yeah. so if anybody is interested um go pull the job listing off the show notes or like i say just come by any of those places and message us and we'll be happy to talk to you um and as always i'm gonna end this show the way i began my life coming out of the womb tiny fist in the air screaming at my doctor to keep his personas close and his users closer. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.